and welcome to the How CMOs Commit podcast. I'm Margaret Malloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of Siegel & Gale. This is a podcast to explore how the world's top CMOs are building their brands and the professional commitments they are making as leaders. This podcast is a recording of our Future of Branding series. From the decisions facing CMOs to the commitments they are forging, the conversations are uniquely vulnerable and strategic. Please be sure to listen to the end when I provide my reflections. This is how CMOs commit. And welcome to Siegel and Gale Future of Branding Roundtable. Every fortnight, we meet five marketing leaders to explore how they are building their brands. I'm your host, Margaret Malloy, Global CMO of Siegel and Gale. Siegel and Gale is a preeminent brand strategy, design, and experience firm. Out of the tragedy and chaos of COVID 19, a new order is emerging. One of the most heartening aspects of this new order is the growth in formation of partnerships, some intuitive, others highly unexpected. Today, as we explore brand building, we will delve into external partnerships and value creation. We will take a very expansive view of partnerships to include marketing collaborations, alliances across product and service delivery in B2B and B2C ecosystems, nonprofits, academics, community, and public-private partnerships. Of course, we would love to hear from everyone in the audience throughout this conversation on Twitter. Please continue to tweet us using the hashtag Future of Branding. Tell us first where you're calling from and in one word, what is your company's current attitude to brand? Thank you for that. I really look forward to seeing your tweets throughout the conversation. Let's now meet our panel. As ever, I'm joined by five marketing leaders I'm going to invite each in turn to share their one word with us, and then we will come back for individual one-to-one -one conversations. Let's begin by welcoming Molly Batten, VP of Global Brand Marketing, joining us from Delta in Atlanta, Georgia. Molly, what is your company's current attitude to brand? Well, Margaret, good afternoon, rather. Um, I would say essential. Okay. Next, we have joining from Dallas, Texas, Sarita Rao. Sarita leads uh, as SVP of marketing at AT&T Business. Sarita. Afternoon, Margaret. Thank you for inviting me. I would say our one word is connection. Okay. Let's now go over to Dubai, where we're joined by Halid Ismail, the um, Vice President for Communications for EMEA and Central Asia at Tetra Pak. Thank you for inviting me again, and I would say promise. Okay, so from Dubai, we're going to LA to meet Nareen Galstein, the CMO of SADA. 
Good morning, everyone. Um, here from Los Angeles, uh, my one word is transformation. Okay, and let's head back east to my hometown, New York, where Jess Burns is the VP of Brand and Creative at Grubhub. Good morning, Jess. Indeed, it's afternoon already. Right. Um, good yeah, afternoon, everyone. I hope everyone is, is safe and doing well out there. Um, our, my one word as far as our attitude towards brand is optimistic. So with those words as a backdrop, let's now have some individual conversations to dig deeper into brand and partnerships. Molly, I'm going to invite you to get us started. Leading brand at Delta, very interesting time, obviously, to be in your sector. Talk to us about your word and why you chose Essential and what's your perspective today on brand building. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Um, you know, never before, I mean, our brand has always been important and we lead with brand and trust. That's what, when you're traveling, you're looking for trust. And we know that everything that we're doing to invest in our brand right now is all about making sure that people feel safe um, and know that we're doing everything we can to keep our passengers and our customers safe. And so elevating and protecting our brand is essential now more than ever. You know, we talk a lot about brand at Delta and our kind of our vision and our mantra is that no one better connects the world at the, that's what we do. We bring people together. We show the world that they're more alike than different. But in today's day and age and with COVID, we've had to pivot on that message a little bit and really dig deep into kind of creating a brand that's about education around safety and all the layers of protection that we're putting in place to keep you and our employees safe throughout the travel journey. Um, and it's something that, you know, we have talked about um, safety in different ways always in the past, but now it's about cleaning, air filtration, mask compliance, um, and all the investment that we're doing to make sure that people feel comfortable and, and safe and that they trust that Delta is taking care of them and their loved ones when they travel. So Molly, I read recently from Condé Nast, an interesting perspective on your work, illustrating that you're doing the work, but you're also communicating that you're doing the work around safety and hygiene. Talk to us about that, that balance of doing and, and communicating. Yes, you know, we have over the past six months, we have really, I, I, love, I love that word transformation because we have transformed our entire operations in our business, changed the way that we clean our planes, the way that we board our planes, the way that we communicate to our passengers and our, our customers. Um, and what we know is that we, we have to set expectations because the rules around travel are different now. And we have many people who have not been back traveling since the pandemic started. So we have to educate and set expectations so that people feel comfortable. Because we know if we set expectations and we deliver on those expectations, then the brand experience is positive. So we now over-communicate. We have um, in every form and fashion, because we know that people take in information in different ways. So whether it's through an, in, uh, a very detailed infographic of every step, we talk about it from curb to claim. When you arrive at the airport all the way to badge, baggage claim, what is every step of the journey going to look like? And what are we doing to keep you um, safe 
whether it's through uh, our partnership with Perel and hand sanitizers, whether it's things that we're doing with Lysol to innovate how we are cleaning the airplane, um, all of the, the investment we've made into air filtration systems um, to re and educating people on how, how often the air recirculates in the plane and how it's actually cleaner than in a hospital operating room. Um, all of that. So we can do all of that. But if our customers don't know, um, then it's a missed opportunity. So that is really where my team has been working on really setting expectations. We now have increased pre-flight communication with our passengers so that you get four, um, four emails from us before you even um, board the plane. Um, and we also are leveraging our Delta.com and all of our mobile touch points so that when you're in the waiting area waiting to board, before you board, you get a notification that your plane has been cleaned and inspected um, and ready to board. Um, so all of those touch points build um, confidence. And that's what we're trying to do is restore confidence um, and set expectations. Molly, you touched on Purell and Lysol and some of the other partners. Talk to us about how your perspective on partnership may have changed during COVID. Yeah, you know, we really, you know, we are experts at flying. Um, and so we look for the experts in the medical community and cleaning and sanitation to help us really um, build the best practices um, and bring the best products and the best um, methodology to everything that we do. Um, and so that's really been our approach is find those experts and bring them in to help us build out better plans and practices and continue to push us to innovate and think differently um, and go above and beyond. So partners like Lysol who come in and help see and watch all of our processes and give us feedback so that we can get better and also think about what other products, what other ways can we bring clean onto, onto our planes, into the, all the different areas. Um, we've also partnered with Mayo Clinic and Emory Healthcare to make sure that we have the best health professionals um, really thinking through all of the, the risk mitigations that we've put into place but also really thinking about how are we taking care of our people? Um, because we know our people are our brand and we need to make sure that we're protecting all of the Delta people so that we can continue to serve um, because they are essential workers. Um, and so thinking about testing strategies, um, how do we make sure that we are giving them every all the tools that they need um, and we're building out best practices. So that's really right now in the COVID era, how we're thinking about partnerships is how do we find the best in the industry and help them partner with them to help us be better? And of course, given your heritage on many of your Sky Miles programs, you have a long track record in partnering with a variety of different entities. Are any of those experiences in terms of being a good partner transferring to this new cadre of partnerships? You know, absolutely. Um, and a partnership is two-way by definition, right? So we are really work and we've taken the time in the beginning to really outline, you know, what, what, how can we best support each of the partners? What, what do they need from Delta and what does Delta need from them? So it can really be a win-win partnership. And I think if you take the time at the beginning to really outline what are, what are each of the partners and each of the entities looking for in a partnership, clearly articulate that, then I think ideas, creativity, um, and execution can really follow and everyone feels really 
successful in the partnership. And I think that's key is that both parties have to come to the table with a clear vision and expectations. Well, thank you. And we know Delta is the most awarded airline um, and people who uh, subscribe to SkyMiles are, as am I, um, are big fans of your program. So thank you for everything you're doing there at Delta. Okay, let's go now um, from physical connectivity to Sarita Rao. Sarita, as I mentioned earlier, uh, leads marketing for AT&T Business. Sarita, so interesting. We all know AT&T and arguably you play a role unlike many companies. In, in this era, in terms of keeping everyone connected, you have a front row seat for that responsibility. Talk to us about where brand fits in the mix as you carry out your activity and how AT&T thinks of brand on the business side today. Uh, absolutely. Um, one of at ts core values is to be there when people need us in normal periods and in times of crisis. So our response to COVID-19 and the pandemic is rooted in that belief and, and truly what our brand stands for. So as a company, uh, you know, we've had quite a bit of practice because we are on that forefront. Um, and our teams train year round for business continuity and disaster recovery scenarios. And we work with our experts um, around the world. So our people are core to this and their expertise and their experience are core to that success. So since we have that extensive experience in planning for and responding to a wide variety of situations around the world. Um, as a brand, we were prepared and our network was prepared for what happened in early 2020 because of our training for this, because of that preparedness. Uh, what, what COVID-19 did do though, was it reinforced the criticality of connections. From the beginning of uh, when the pandemic hit, um, our brand has seen, has been in business um, in keeping our customers connected. Um, if you think about when we were in the crisis phase not so long ago, we saw convention centers become connected hospitals in matters matter of days. Every student in the country from kindergarten to higher education uh, began using distant learning. Corporations sent an entire workforce into a remote environment. Um, at AT&T, um, you'll see that I'm, I'm still working from home. 130,000 of our employees are still working from home. Um, so that really changes the network and the behavior. And then if you look at um, Another part that's just really important, a great example of the importance of, of connections, it's public safety. Um, the last few months have been unprecedented time for first responders across the globe. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, um, AT&T was selected by the federal government to build and manage FirstNet. It's the only national wireless communication platform that's dedicated to and purpose-built for America's first responders and for our public safety community. Um, so far this year, uh, public safety agencies have made more than 450 requests. And if you, if you think about what that means, that means we have to deploy mobile devices, portable cell sites to support COVID-19 drive-through testing centers. Um, remember when, um, when COVID uh, first hit, uh, we were going to military bases uh, with our first net resources uh, where they were early quarantine um, centers. Um, those were set up, if you recall, or if you remember, the large naval ships on, on both of our coasts uh, where they were acting as medical treatment facilities to alleviate uh, the overcrowding in local hospitals. So many more uh, points of connection, but I think what COVID-19 and this pandemic has really taught us is, is truly the importance of connections and the integral role uh, that we play and in, in why it's so important. 
And certainly no one builds a network for a pandemic, but having a robust network with open standards and health self, self-healing protocols makes that all the more ready. No doubt post 9-11 and other experiences, the organization learned from that. You mentioned FirstNet and other partnerships. Maybe, maybe talk to us about that intersection of partnership and brand in this time. Um, I think partnerships um, are core. I, I think in at this time, right, what it truly has done is just reinforce um, the value and the importance of partnerships. Um, we've seen what's possible when people, businesses, communities come together in support of a common goal. And that's what just elevates the importance of partnerships. Um, let's shift gears a bit. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about uh, the WNBA and NBA. Over the past year, we've been working um, to bring fans closer to the game they love by connecting fans with 5G experiences and entertainment. Back in early February, right, pre, pre-pandemic, um, we made the United Center in Chicago the first 5G-powered NBA All-Star game. It was amazing. It was a fantastic technology experience. Um, this included in-person fan experiences. There was something called the 5G Hoop Hustle, where fans could become the game's MVP by syncing the most digital three-pointers in a minute. So what 5G did was it provided low latency um, and ultra-responsiveness. So you could blend both the physical and the digital, so multiple players, multiple fans could compete for the most baskets. And it was just really a lot of fun. Um, And this is when we could physically be together. Well, fast forward a few months, right? And a lot's changed. Um, And the NBA and the WNBA are back, uh, which is is fantastic, right? But then how do you get the fans as part of that experience How do you bring it closer when you still have to be physically separated? So one of the things that that we've done is in partnership, um, we're we're blending both that physical and digital world again um, together. It's uh, what some are calling digital. Um, And what we're doing for the NBA conference finals is, you know, we're we're conducting live interviews. So if you're watching the games, you can see this live and in action right now. Um, last night was a great example. We're conducting live interviews via hologram between reporters and players while they're in physically different locations. Um, so how does that work? A player um, or an anchor, right, and an interviewer can see each other on these transparent big TV screens in real time. So the viewers, what do we get to see? We get to see holograms at human scale, full size. And, and truly, it's, it's because of 5G. The speed and latency of 5G is allowing a really minimal lag in the conversation. Um, so it feels like you're in the same location, that, that that player and that interviewer, right, is in the same location. So it's a great example of how 5G can be used in today's COVID-19 environment to keep us physically separated, yet socially connected. And I think that's so important right now, um, just for the spirit of, uh, of the country and where we are. Um, we're gonna continue to innovate with brands uh, like the NBA um, to help them stay connected with their fans and create some really cool never seen before experiences. I think one of the things that COVID-19 has done is really fast forwarded some of the, the technology evolution. Well, thanks for that, Sarita. And ever so briefly, knowing that you're AT&T and the range of your capabilities, you have many options when it comes to selecting partners. Could you briefly share what goes into that selection process and perhaps the role of purpose or other components in finding the right partners? Um, It's multiple factors, right? It's really important that we have shared goals. It's important that... um, 
we, we can build that trust, um, shared values, and, and really communications, right? As you, as you find um, that right partnership, one of the things that I think is really important, if I just dig into communications a little bit deeper, is making sure that there's an open dialogue. Um, it's critical to success. Um, once you have that open dialogue, not only does it allow you to create a, a different type of energy and a stronger chemistry, but it, it helps make sure we truly understand our, our common goals, but it helps us move faster, um, trying to get to that end result. So, um, in my view, you know, those are important factors to the success of brand partnerships, and uh, we're fortunate to, to enjoy many of those. Uh, but what I love about the common factor of those brand partnerships is there's a great deal of trust between the companies. Fantastic. Thanks for that, Sarita. Now let's head over to Halad at Tetra Pak in Dubai. Fascinating company, uh, leading provider of food processing and packaging technology and solutions. So, so talk to us about the role of brand in that context of a packaging and solutions provider. Well, first of all, thanks, uh, Margaret, and uh, good evening from Dubai, because it's a different part of the world. And yes, we are probably one of the companies that's represented today that's represented from Europe. Um, you know, at Tetra Pak, brand is important. We are not a B2C company, we're a B2B company, but we take that with a pinch of salt and then some. So it's very important because we are communicating with the outside world every day through our customers. You know, at Tetra Pak, we stand for protection. And I, I mentioned to you promise as my, my one word, promise. That is our promise. We uh, protect what's good. In fact, it's on billions of packages, which is this, this logo right there, on billions of packages worldwide. And the idea is, what does it actually mean? And we're trying to communicate that both internally, but also recently externally. Three things. Our promise is to protect what's good and what's good may be different for different people, but for us is food, people, and the planet that we live on. Um, so with that mindset, I think our promise is something that now means something more than it ever did. I've been in the company for now close to 18 years. And I tell you, you know, we talk about the penny dropping. I'm now talking about an iron dumbbells dropping right now. Because when I say I promise to protect what's good, and I realize that our colleagues and our customers and the worlds are closing down, and I see them out there fixing machines, making sure our customers deliver to provide the food that people need with a sign, taking a photo on their iPhones or on their phones, and it says we protect what's good, that's heartwarming for me, at least being able to be some part of the journey that we're on right now. So. Really, I think what we're saying right now is, is we've taken our promise from, I guess, a tagline to now we wear it on our sleeves. Wonderful. And I, know, and I know you have a long heritage of partnerships with NGOs in terms of uh, environmental and sustainability issues, as well as academic institutions, and recently signing a strategic arrangement with Lund University in Switzerland. So, so talk to us about partnerships, particularly partnerships that have a long-term horizon. How do they add value to that promise? that you are making to your customers and to all of us who experience food in your packaging? 
You know, uh, when you talk about uh, the alliances and partnerships that we've had, we've had them for many, many years. But I think it, it, if we reflect on our ambition that we've just launched last week, actually, is with a campaign called Go Nature, Go Carton, which is actually launched in the U.S. So hopefully you guys get up to see it. Our, our ambition is to deliver the world's most sustainable food packaging. But we cannot do that alone. We have to work with a lot of stakeholders. And yes, you named the Swedish uh, university that's very renowned in Lund. And we work with many universities. We work with NGOs. We work with governments. We've worked for many years with FSC, which is the Forest Stewards Ca uh, Council. Uh, uh, we have alliance with uh, Forever Green, WWF. And there's many alliances that we work with because, frankly, we will not be able to innovate without these bright minds and different perspectives that we gain from as we go on this journey to deliver on our ambition of delivering the most uh, sustainable package, food packaging in the world. Khaled, how do you think about ROI and partnerships, particularly long-term partnerships? Where does measurement come into the mix or is it more on the innovation and product development side of the spectrum? You know, when we work with anyone, uh, the idea is, I think one of our uh, panelists mentioned it, it's a win-win. We're able to provide and contribute something to the table and we gain something out of it. And of course, we, are, we have set objectives. And of course, if we don't set, deliver on these objectives, we haven't delivered on, on our ROI. But for me, to be honest with you, I think it's, one, making sure that we look at the medium and long term, because we are, fun fact, well, it's actually not fun, but it's reality. By 2050, by 2050 we will have 9.2 billion people on this planet that will consume 70% more food. And 30% plus of that is actually wasted. So when you take that into consideration and go out to these people who care, and we see that they have a common goal with us, then we know that we're working towards that common goal and be able to deliver on it together. So we, if we created the movement that we've started, that's an ROI delivered, and ultimately delivering on making sure that we have the most sustainable food packaging in the world. Fantastic. Well, a mission I know we can all get behind. Thank you for that, Halad. Let's now go to Los Angeles and a very bright morning. Good morning to you again, Nareen Galstein, CMO of SADA. SADA, fascinating company, integral to your business model is partnerships, of course, as a systems consulting and services provider for cloud-based solutions. I know you are a Google Cloud Premier partner with many accolades and many, many years of um, being the top partner in a number of technology ecosystems. So talk to us about that. Where does the Saga brand live when your partners are bigger and badder and bolder and maybe better known than you? Well, I, I think, um, you know, just taking the brand uh, attitude of transformation and really being bold in our approach to that has been key to our partnerships. Um, and I'm often told your 
brand is so much bigger than you are. And that's because we have made some bold moves in the industry and bold partnerships, as you mentioned, Google Cloud. We really went all in on that partnership beginning of the year, while we've been a partner for many, many years, dating back to 2007. And uh, really, we had to align with our foundational goals of how do we bring innovation? How do we bring service excellence? How do we bring value to our customers? And it made sense for us to really go all in with Google Cloud and making that our most strategic partnership. And going back to our belief of technology can empower people to transform how they work, their business, and of course, the world. Um, so it is at the core of everything we believe in, the core of our DNA, to allow people to make bold moves. Business continuity was key during COVID. And many of our customers really look to us to be there for them, to make sure that they had the services and the technology and the solutions to continue in this remote work environment. So it really became key for us to further our partnership with Google Cloud to make sure that we were communicating. As Molly said, that's a key to, key to keeping that connection with our customers and the community that we serve and making sure that we had a transparency, you know, transparency around everything that we were doing to make sure that we were aligned with them throughout their challenges, you know, and having them trust us to then be transparent back. It's really interesting. And I should say happy birthday to Sada this yeah. August, the 20th year um, yeah. of your existence. And for those oh. who may not be familiar, tremendous growth trajectory over those 20 years, uh, proof of the doing, arguably, in the relationships that you have forged with Google and indeed with your clients. How do you keep the relationship fresh, innovative, and work in functioning in terms of the Google partnership, um, a complex organization and an ever-evolving solution? Um, I think that's actually works for us because we are ever evolving as a company. We really don't shy away from change and we're, we're known for pushing the limits and the capabilities. Um, so it actually is um, really at the core of our DNA to then work with partners who think the same way, who are pushing those boundaries, who are looking for new and innovative ways to serve the customers in the ecosystem. So with Google, we really count on our relationships and that connection that we make with them, um, you know, not only for strategic or business, but also personal. At the end of the day, relationships are core to everything that we do, whether it's on purpose, personal or professional components, the relationships you build with your customers, um, with their account managers from the A to Z, right? When they enter into our ecosystem to an ongoing, you know, service provider 10, 20 years down the line, that relationship is what they trust They build confidence around that. So that is, you know, really important to us with our partners as well. And with Google, we have a relationship. We have a confidence and trust that we've built with them. They deliver the, you know, the, the trustworthy and reliable cloud solutions for our customers. And we're able to then 
wrap our services around that to make sure that they're getting the most out of that investment. So that's a beautiful example of a very healthy codependence. You depend on them to continue to innovate in the solution, and they depend on you to make sure the end customer has the optimal experience of the Google Cloud. So you're, you're tied at the hip very much. Very much so. And it's important for both of us to bring that value to the customer. Mm -hmm. So we work you know, together to deliver that value. And that at the end of the day, you know, that customer satisfaction, the customer growth, the ability for the customer to scale, to continue to serve their customers is what's really important for us. Marvelous. Well, thank you for that, Noreen. Let's now head back to Jess Burns and talk about Grubhub. Fascinating brand. Portfolio includes Grubhub, Seamless, and many more that I'm sure all of us have relied on during the pandemic. And of course, recent news around the um, the, the acquisition as well. So, so talk to us a little bit about the role of brand and partnerships. Of course, your model is essentially, if I could characterize it, I would say it's a marketplace model in that you're ostensibly connecting diners and restaurants in a very efficient technology-enabled way. Where does brand fit in the mix? Sure. Um, well, my one word was optimistic. Um, you know, given these uncertain times, we're very optimistic about our, our role of our brand and kind of feeding the nation and also supporting the restaurant industry, which as we all know, has gone through so much these last six months. Um, you know, what our brand really stands for is giving the most value back to our customers. And what we see that is from a from when we think about our dual, dual sided marketplace. When we think about that from the restaurant side of things, it's giving them all of the tools and resources and new features to drive as much demand as possible. You know, over these last six months, when restaurants have shut down, we were on you know this innovation um, clip where we needed to continue to build new features and product features to better serve them. It was everything from, you know, contact-free delivery to curbside pickup, I mean, um, to expanding, um, uh, you know, the ability to, to deliver alcohol, which is probably a really important thing right now, given the times. And then on the, the diner side, we realized that our diners are going through um, major issues from financial issues to safety issues. So it was giving them the tools and resources and kind of the added value to make the experience kind of, um, you know, less of a premium. When we think about our industry, like it was built on being, you know, a, a luxury service. And over the course of the last six months, we've wanted to make our experience, both restaurants and diners, more accessible. Um, and I think, you know, when we think about partnerships, um, our partnerships that you mentioned, Margaret, it's been an acquisition story, right? And we have acquired new companies to better serve our diners. So for the over the course of the last couple of years, you know, we have acquired um, loyalty marketplace platforms like Level Up to create a loyalty structure for our diners to make uh, Grubhub a more valuable experience for them. And then um, we've also acquired other platforms like Topingo that served campus diners. And so, you know, we use partnerships as an ability to scale our business and reach new consumers. 
Um, and, and so it's been a really interesting acquisition story for us the last couple of years. And of course, you in turn have been acquired. Um, yes. Or- this, which is which is really um, arguably another testament to your brand building at that very uh, powerful valuation by Just Eat. So you're in very much in a portfolio of brand story now. How how does the portfolio component layer into how you think about brands? You have Seamless now, the Just Eat takeaway, and of course Grubhub, the flagship brand. Yeah. Um, well, we're really excited about this acquisition. Um, you know, having kind of a, a global parent company, uh, we're excited about the ability to, for them to support all of our audacious marketing efforts and spe- especially brand going forward. When we think about our role within that portfolio, it's really kind of owning North America. Um, and we have, and I have the fun job of managing the two brands within North America, which is Grubhub, and then our, our sister brand in in New York, which is Seamless. Um, and then you know, well, it's still business as usual for our brands right now until the acquisition is is a hundred percent official. But I'm really excited about the opportunity to learn from other global delivery players to see how we can leverage some of what their knowledge and innovation to accelerate our business in in North America. And getting back to partnerships, and you mentioned Level Up, and it made me think about the partnership you have with Twitch. Really Mm. interesting. So the gamers, uh, little perhaps unexpected. Tell us about the genesis of that partnership, how you ended up partnering with gamers and uh, what transpired. Yeah, you know, it's been our, our our journey with esports has been a really interesting one where we had a hypothesis uh, about a year and a half ago that uh, gamers and esports teams that are sequestered in front of their gaming consoles for hours on end would probably enjoy delivery because they can't leave when they're engaged in their game. So we tested um, into partnerships with a couple different esports teams. And we found it to be a really effective media channel, um, mostly because it allowed us to capture some new, some new TAM essentially. Um, this this untapped esports um, uh, market, which was really exciting. So over the course of the last year and a half, we've continued to scale our uh, esports team integrations. We've we've continued to invest in advertising within Twitch. We've explored other platforms and YouTube, and it's really kind of just um, grown from there. And, you know, it's interesting. Esports was really the impetus for us to think about other streaming platforms to invest in. And we did that pre-COVID because we knew virtual entertainment was on the cusp of being a bigger part of people's lives. And we're really grateful that we, you know, invested the time and energy in esports because it has allowed us to create our own live streaming programs. Um, Pre-COVID, we developed a concert series called Sound Bites for both Seamless and Grubhub. And we're partnering with, you know, everyone from top 40 to emerging artists to create concerts, you know, while people are enjoying their delivery. And we've scaled that program as well. Because we believe as a brand that we want to create mealtimes um, a more rewarding experience. And so as people are investing more in this live stream virtual entertainment space, um, we wanted to be right there alongside them. Well, some rights is intriguing and arguably intuitive as well that music would rank high on diners' interests. 
Absolutely. Um, and I, I want to kind of double click on that because over the last six months, we've stayed really close to our customers, um, both diners and restaurants, to really understand what they needed during this time. And, you know, wanting to understand kind of where their affinities lie and music was one of the things that consistently popped over this time period. Marvelous. Well, thank you for that, Jess. So now with all of those stories and experiences across different geographies and business models, let's reflect on what works when it comes to partnerships. I'm going to start with you, Molly, and ask your perspective. You touched on communications and other things earlier. What are the most important factors in successful brand partnerships from your perspective? Yeah, no, I touched on it a little bit earlier, and I think Sarita hit it as well, is building a foundation of trust. Um, and I think that comes from clear expectations on both ends, outlining kind of the mutual goals um, and really being very upfront from the beginning on why we're entering into this partnership, um, what each party brings to the table and how we can truly support each other. Um, and expectations on what we both get out of it so that we can have that clear kind of um, at the end, are we meeting on expectations? Are we delivering? Is this partnership working? Is this the right line of uh, approach? And I think a lot of that does come back to open and honest communication, clear expectation setting, and then ultimately building a foundation of trust. Um, and with that sense of trust, I think then comes great ideas and great execution. And how do you make it work when there is a symmetry between a brand like Delta that is so such a behemoth and perhaps a smaller brand? Is the dynamic different? You know, I, I don't know that it's different. I think um, outcomes and expectations, um, you know, always need to be articulated from the beginning and with clear expectation. The scale might be different. The investment might be different. Um, the scope and the ways of working may be just different, but I think the foundation um, of, you know, that, that um, and the approach should be the same. Conversely, what not to do? <laughs> I think, you know, we probably have all had partnerships in the past where expectations were here and delivery was down here. And I think um, the more that we can kind of put um, frameworks and touch points in place to make sure that we don't kind of get off track um, helps. And that is really on the consistent communication piece and kind of that building trust. Because I think if if one one is going this way and the other is going this way and we don't bring it back together, um, then, you know, we kind of the goes off the rails. And from your perch in brand leadership, what is your commitment to build successful partnerships for Delta? You know, it's a it's a big part of our brand strategy moving forward, you know, and has always been, whether it's our relationships with sports teams, um, whether it's relationships with other airlines and our alliance partners. Um, and then, as I said, you know, as as we've moved into COVID, it's with um, innovators within the health and safety and um, sanitary space. So partnerships are a huge commitment for us, for Delta as a brand. Um, and our commitment as a marketing team is really to to build that trust, to bring a sense of um, clear um, clear visioning um, and to to deliver with um, top execution. 
Marvelous. Thank you for that. So, Sarita, your reflections on what makes for successful brand partnerships? Um, I, I think that, you know, trust communications and, and you know, shared values. Um, I think those are probably the most important thing. Um, as previously mentioned, it, it really is about having that open dialogue, open communications, making sure we we have that mutual understanding and, and frankly, building that team chemistry and dynamic, um, you know, build on where Molly was going. I don't, I don't think it's about one company being large and one company being small at the end of the day. Those are, there's still humans in the room make doing that interaction and, and having that, so that chemistry and that, and that open dialogue, I just think is critically important. How do you achieve that chemistry or foment that chemistry in a working from home environment, particularly if you are forging new partnerships where folks may not have met in person? Right. Um, so, I mean, if you think about that, right, that's true with new employees we're bringing on board. It's true with our customers. Um, so truly, we've been um, spending a great, deal, uh, a great deal of time just doing the work, right, making sure that you don't go into presentation mode, that you're going into conversation mode, right? There's so many times, how many times have you sat in a meeting and all you see is that PowerPoint coming across to you, but how do you make that that interactive uh, dialogue? And then honestly, we're even doing some social events, right? Um, taking the moments um, to, to get that virtual social event. So we might be physically distant, but it doesn't mean that we have to be socially distant. And I think that's just really critical to keep that human touch I would say the same thing as we bring on new team members, right? How do you take that extra time to have conversations with them uh, where it's interactive uh, versus a one-way uh, dialogue? Um, so I think those are some of the best practices we're putting in place and it's been working. Um, we're six months into this working from home thing. Um, and as much as I, I miss the, the physical connections with the team, but when I do my checkpoints with my team or my partners, um, I think everyone still feels very connected. Um, and then the technology is allowing them to do it. I'll, I don't think I've ever used the camera on my on my WebEx as much as I did when I was physically at home. And if I think of those folks, right, that um, were always physically distant because they worked from home or you had to get on a plane, this is a great new best practice where we're allowing technology to bring us together um, closely, even though we might be physically apart. And when you've seen partnerships be less than successful, What's your diagnosis as to the why? Um, I think it's the lack of openness. I think it's misunderstanding the goal. And if sometimes the goal shifts, right? Um, but you've got to communicate that as well. Um, and I think it's important. And, and I, sometimes, you know, failing fast is not a bad thing, right? As long as you're both aligned um, on, on why that failure happened and what you can learn and take away from it. Um, and, and sometimes that happens, right? That's reality. Um, just because you want something doesn't mean you can always get it. Um, those terms might not be achievable. And it's important for both teams to feel like they come away with a successful partnership. If it's not a win-win or one of the entities doesn't feel that uh, they have an equal voice, then it's not going to be a successful activation. And that's an important thing for us to remember. And for you personally, what's your commitment to building successful brand partnerships at AT&T Business? Uh, truly being open to them, right? Um, I don't have a set, these are the only things we can do. Um, and the team is constantly bringing in new ideas. Um, partners are constantly bringing in new ideas. So we will do, um, you know, for lack of a better term, some speed round conversations. 
um, to see if there's something that, that's appealing there. Um, but we have, we have that in a very focused way. We know what our business goals are. Um, so we'll be pretty clear in articulating what those goals are as we, we talk to new partners. Um, I've spent much of my time pitching partnerships. Um, so I know what it feels like, right? When you keep pitching something and someone's not listening to you. So you have to have respect for the listen. And then you have to also have respect for the time. And it, if it's something you're not interested in being able to communicate that early um, and appropriately. Okay, thank you for that. So Halad, mm -hmm. we talked about the breadth of your partnerships, academic institutions, NGOs on a global scale, creates its own set of challenges and opportunities. In that context, what do you consider to be the factors that drive for successful brand partnerships? You know, it's important to reflect on the relationship we've historically had with our customers, because that's a partnership in its own right. So we kind of learned the good way, the bad way, and the ugly way, because their success is our success, and we mean it literally. So when we take all the learnings from that win-win, if we're happy with that transaction, we're able to give our hearts and soul. Take that into the partnerships that we've had. I think it's important for us to make sure when someone's down, and I'm now referring back to the pandemic that we're in, don't take advantage of it because they'll remember. Mm -hmm. So for us just to kind of reflect on reality and stand by those people. In fact, I remember recently when one of those partners were about to shut down because they couldn't deliver on that promise that they delivered to us and other partners because of the pandemic. We said, whatever you do, we're standing by you. And until today, the relationship that I've formed with them, to me, is actually priceless. Uh, just because I made a commitment, we made a commitment to stand by them. So when you're down, that's partnership. And, and partnership means the wins and the losses, you know, the losses that you gain. Sometimes not literally because our books are different than your books, as, as we say it. Is it different in the context of academic institutions and the strategic partnership you forged recently with the Swedish University? You know, when we work with these um, NGOs and universities, we're looking for new ideas, new innovations, and these are more robust relationships. This is something that we're contributing some financial support, some other technology that we sit on that's maybe going to become obsolete over the next couple of 10, five, 10 years. And we take them and we challenge these new brains through the science and, and uh, education that's out there to be able to take us to the next 50 years because we know what's gonna happen in the next 50 years and what are some of the challenges that we're going to be facing. So these, these relationships are, yes, different, but they're similar in principles on how we go and engage with them. So when we have researched this, it took a long time to look at the challenges of today, what consumers want from the dairy industry, because that specifically was about the dairy industry, and what is, what is it that we can deliver to give our customers the differentiation to stand in front of their consumers out there in the next five to 10 years? So again, strategically different principles are the same. Got it. And what about your commitment? You know, for me, I think just listening to everyone else, I really never thought of it in, from a commitment point of view, but I think it's important for us to unearth some of these 
associations that you never thought of before and you thought that's not really what I've always thought to engage with before. I think there are some new nuggets that are coming out right now that will allow us to say, right, you know, I think maybe there's something there. So my commitment is to when I get that email that I usually delete, I'm going to take a look at it and see maybe there's an opportunity for us to engage with someone. Maybe it's a sales pitch, but maybe it's an opportunity for a partnership somewhere. Marvelous. Back to that keeping an open mind comment earlier. Okay, thank you, Halid. So, Noreen, back to you. And of course, as we highlighted in the beginning, your entire business is predicated on a bet that you're making around the importance of partnerships. You live them, work them every day through your service delivery for your end customers. That gives you a tremendous vantage point to have an insight around what makes for successful partnerships. What's your perspective? Um, it's really important to um, align on the goals, whether they're strategic, whether they're financial, um, and to make sure that you're always delivering value. The give gets on both sides have to bring value, value not only to each of the partners, but value to the customer. So from a B2B perspective, when we partner with organizations, we're always asking ourselves, how does this bring value to our customers? How will it help them scale their business? How will it help them have more security? How will it help them provide more collaboration uh, in their organization, especially in this time of COVID? Um, how do we make sure that we're bringing value to our customers so that they can continue to do their business, continue to meet their goals? Um, and, and with our current partnership with Google, we're very aligned and bring that value. But a lot of our customers are also becoming our partners from a technology perspective. So again, we're looking at, okay, we have give gets that we've already made from a services perspective. Now, how can we align on that trust and the reliability that we've already built together to then go to market together as a partner? So through these new partnerships, we're taking a different lens of not only are you our customer, but now you're becoming our partner. So how can we set those expectations properly so that we're meeting the goals and, and bringing value to our mutual customers? and the community. And it sounds like it's more than semantic, the distinction between customer and partner. From your vantage point as CMO, what does that mean in terms of your commitment, in terms of the linkage between partnership and building the SADA brand? Really, the commitment is to be open, um, being open and, and allowing those ideas to come in, allowing those conversations to happen. Um, it's really been key to our growth and uh, driving brand awareness globally for smaller companies such as SADA. Really, these, these connections that we're making in the ecosystem are pivotal to our long-term goals. So being open, having those open and transparent conversations, make sure you're aligned on those expectations, whether we're the small fish dealing with the big fish or vice versa, it's really important to have that mutual respect um, for each other's goals and aligning on those gives and gets and having those regular touch points of this is still meet our mutual goals, this partnership. 
Do we need to realign on that? And if you don't have that regular check-in, it's very easy to then, you know, get away from each other and, uh, and allow that ball to drop. So that continuous communication is important. Okay, thank you, Noreen. And Jess, from your perspective, your world is changing. It's amplified now in this new context, presenting, as you outlined, more opportunity for partnership. From what you've learned, what are the factors that drive successful partnerships? Anything in addition to the many insights shared already? First and foremost, and I think this is related to my commitment for partnerships as well, is um, we need to build partnerships um, keeping in mind the needs, the ever-changing needs of our customers and keeping them front and center. One of the things that I've told my team over these last six months is we need to be more brand out and community in to really understand what their needs are. And um, we have to be willing to evolve the partnership if those needs change over time too. So it's building in that flexibility upon day one of the partnership um, so we can be as nimble as possible with addressing these needs. And my commitment is always being kind of customer first and making sure we're addressing those needs. Um, and that's when I think we know we have the right partnership fit um, when it aligns with you know, what those needs are. And um, what I've seen from historically from our partnerships has the growth in performance has come alongside that. Marvelous. Well, thank you all. And in thanking our panel, here are my reflections on today's conversation. While there are many aspects to brand building, and many aspects to building and cultivating external partnerships, I think we can all unite around the importance of perspective. As our marketing leaders here revealed, how we view ourselves, our circumstance, and others is a vital determinant in our ability to build successful partnerships. Well, that's essentially our perspective. As we all recognize, external partnerships are fraught with uncertainty. To lean into any partnership in this, the most uncertain of years, is at best, well, challenging. Yet, that's precisely what these five marketing leaders are doing with remarkable success. As I listen to our conversation and review, here are ways, I believe, marketing leaders gain the necessary perspective to forge partnerships that create real value, including value for the customer. First, look within. Gather your resources, strengths, and possibilities, and assess your vulnerabilities. Look to your brand purpose and your values to help serve as a filter to prioritize potential brand initiatives. Look forward, see the challenges, but focus the spotlight on the positives by thinking about the opportunities for innovation, creativity, and new alliances. Look around to identify 
others' needs and wants. Be sure to open the aperture to allow all stakeholders' perspectives to get through. Together with your partner, look closely to identify a shared purpose and be sure to communicate it clearly, widely and frequently. Look after trust by being transparent on what you want to accomplish with the partnership and what you can deliver. Look up often, knowing that the vision for the partnership can change and may need to change in a dynamic context such as COVID-19, which puts obstacles and changes our line of sight. And finally, remember to look back, to reflect on learnings, celebrate accomplishments, and acknowledge everyone's contribution to success. As we've discussed here today, against the backdrop of the pandemic, achieving functioning partnerships is challenging, immensely rewarding from a brand building perspective, and in some cases, even necessary to business continuity. Very few of us have 2020 vision, especially and ironically in this year, 2020. As we look for perspective, I offer this as an additional thought. It may be helpful to use the corrective lens of assuming positive intent. With this renewed clarity, CMOs can build partnerships and have the opportunity to do so, partnerships that are better, deeper, stronger, and more fit for purpose for the world ahead. With this thought, thank you. Thank you, Molly, Sarita, Halad, Jess, and um, all of you for joining us and for sharing your perspectives. We very much look forward to tracking your progress as you live out the commitments to your partnerships shared today. As ever, thank you to my production team, led by Alison Carrion and Ashley Noonan, assisted today by Kasia Krafcek and Kevin Loftus, blog editor Daniel Alonso, researcher Ellen Harkin, designer Gisem Karatis. To all in our audience, thank you for your tweets. You are welcome back to join us again on October 7th, this time at 9 a.m. Eastern, when I will be joined by five more CMOs. And do please consider coming back next week, October 29th, when my Siegel and Gale colleagues will join us and our client GE in a conversation around unlocking brand purpose. With that, on behalf of everyone at Siegel and Gale, I'm Margaret Malloy, thanking you for joining us. Thank you for joining How CMOs Commit. You've heard the strategic insights and professional commitments of top brand builders from around the world. I hope you also enjoyed my reflections on how this conversation is relevant to all marketers. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And please rate, review, 
and share this podcast. Until next time, this is how CMOs commit.